0: what's happening world it's your co-host kira stepping in for ben today i'm actually just taking first chair because we have our very first guest on the podcast Adam he is gonna do his own intro in a second but he is a good friend of both Ben and mine and we're really excited to have him on the pod
1: hey Kira hey Ben uh yeah thanks for inviting me I'm super excited I've uh, just a little background on myself I've been doing art now for the past couple of decades I started off in high school as a metal smith and then I went on to college doing more metal smithing and sculpture and casting um, I've I've done some like set design back in high school for a couple different um, organizations and. Yeah. So I don't know. I hope we can add some cool stuff to your to your content today. Um, And yeah, are you ready to get right into it? Absolutely.
0: So we are talking about art in film today and practical effects versus CGI effects. This is something Ben and I had actually touched on in a previous podcast. If you guys remember our Batman podcast, we talked a lot about how Matt Reeves used filming on scenes and real life explosions to really make certain aspects come to life. So within the that sort of within those parameters, we're going to exp- like look at using real jewelry, real set pieces, real costuming, things like that versus having things be CGI'd.
2: Yeah, I um, I think that you can you can definitely tell the difference. And like we were just talking earlier about like uh, Peter Jackson's film, you know, The Lord of the Rings, when he filmed the location, and you you look at the location, and you can see it how the, the, how majestic and how beautiful it is. And then like if you watch CGI stuff, you can tell it's not real. It's it's got that uh, King Kong. Um, versus Godzilla when King Kong's in the bubble area and it's CGI um, him being there and you can tell that it's not real and it just it just doesn't seem I mean it was a great movie but it just didn't seem right, you know, the, 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 the way the trees weren't moving, it just didn't seem
1: right. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, I was doing some research, it's funny you mentioned Lord of the Rings, because I I really made a point to try to figure out what was going on with the Arkenstone, like how they fit that into the movie, and I was very upset when I kept on finding like 50 billion videos on, on, on the lore, but um, but yeah, I remember doing some uh research on that, and, and something I found that I thought was an interesting topic was just, you know, Not only the difference between CGI and real life versus, uh, or like in regards to what, you know, you can see visually and how like fake or real it looks, but also the way that actors interact with it as well, which I didn't really think about before so like you know if you have a real object like let's say you have an actual Arkan stone that they're holding on to in their hands it's a lot easier for them to act with the stone experience a stone in real time and it just like it seems a lot more tangible and realistic in that way and then of course you know they probably just add some cgi effects to make it shine and stuff afterwards but you know versus them like having to pretend they have an Arkan stone there or pretend they have a dragon like they could have just like you know like looked at a certain cue area but I think I actually Seen some videos i don't know did you guys see some videos but i thought i saw some videos where they actually had like a head or something like that they made the the actor who was playing the voice of the dragon like wear this like funky head thing and then kind of like stand off to the side so they had something a little bit more tangible to actually work with and i think that makes a big difference when you're trying to compare like cgi versus real life
0: absolutely and i think a really good example of this in two different forms is most recently Spider-Man Far From Home um, No Way Home What's the newest one No Way Home No Way Home Okay the No Way Home with Doc Ock What made Sam Raimi's Doc Ock so good was that those um his tentacles in the original Spider-Man 2 was actually puppeteer work. So he worked with a team of puppeteers and they acted together to make those claws work. Obviously during major battles, there was CGI that was added to it. But to have that main core of being like an actual extension of Alfred Molina, obviously No Way Home, it's different. His arms are CGI. They did take that realism out of it. So I think it's, I think it's so funny that you can watch Sam Rami's from 20 years ago and it looks the same as a movie that has a half a million dollar budget. Like, to me, that's crazy. And I think that shows and speaks to how well practical effects age.
1: Yeah. And another thing, too, is, you know, all right, so for they're going to concept of like a budget, obviously. But, you know, if they are going to go real now, what are they going to do in terms of budgeting their money? So I looked up, I tried to look up with Bridgerton, specifically with jewelry, because I was like, OK, so now you have this cast. It's supposed to have this like super ornate jewelry you know Julie has to match the character and what their purpose is in the series and there's just so much going on like obviously they can't budget for everything but i i i, I assume that it was all going to be costume jewelry it's it's not so like they had costume jewelry for the majority of the cast and then as you got more prominent and the stones were smaller so i think there's like one there's one like like ridiculously ornate necklace that one of the characters has it just it probably has like like 50 stones on it they i mean they use crystal and like pale stones on that one because they were smaller but then when it came to the actual queen they used real stones for that they had they had diamonds they had pearls and then they had like giant rubies i I, i'm wondering what they do with the jewelry afterwards like do they resell it (laughs) try to make back some of the money i don't know but i thought that was pretty crazy so like obviously they have to plan their budget out but but um, the costume designer was was literally like, listen, like you, you are not going to get the same shine and the same effect with these larger stones if they were fake. So, you know, that's where they decided to put their money. And I thought that was pretty sweet.
0: I think that's so cool. And I think it real, especially in a show like Bridgerton, where you have to show in comparison to all the other characters how the queen has to stand out. So just to have this minor detail of this real jewelry, she's already standing out on screen, already. And I think that those details is what makes shows great. And I mean, we were looking at examples earlier, and I think this goes back to Moulin Rouge and that stunning piece that Nicole Kidman wears. And that was, hand, that was made for the film. And that was all real diamonds. And that necklace actually still exists. I think, how much is it now? Like 5 million? Yeah, I can't afford it.
2: <laughs> Kim Kim you're not getting that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even ask. There's no be for Christmas. Uh not going to happen. So, love you, baby. <laughs>
1: but yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool and it's funny how you know despite the fact that a lot of it's costume jewelry there are still people that are you know on pinterest or on social media that are just like this stuff like blows us way like look at these designs on things and I, I started looking into or like started thinking about like you know how this stuff affects people even in like how this stuff affects people I guess by like age and how this influences designers and even just like normal people in terms of what they think is pretty and beautiful um you know these cgi effects of the inside of like hogwarts or something detailing in that like oh I love that railing I love this I love that but I'm wondering how long this stuff even lasts for I mean in, in an age where you can get like so much s- stimuli how 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 long are you are, do people even like retain this stuff that they see like I you know they went off talking about how like all this drew Jewelry Bridgerton was just so beautiful and 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 how everyone's talking about it and and how this can go and affect a generation. Yeah, but I guess like back in the day when all you had was movies like those movies, those jewelry sets, like Moulin Rouge, and then there was Pretty Woman. Yeah, pretty woman. You know, all this jewelry can affect a whole generation, and yet at the same time, like nowadays I'm wondering like how much can it even really affect people. All this stuff that people like on social media and talk about with all the new stuff that's coming out like every month, does it even last more than a couple months?
0: So, I think this is such an interesting way to look at this point and look at media consumption because I feel like the two go hand in hand. And I think what's crazy that you brought this up, especially with talking about Netflix and Bridgerton. We have Bridgerton, which is a lot of high realism, maybe mostly because it's a period piece, but they're on sets, their costuming is beautiful and done by designers the jewelry is costume or real but it's all replicated to make a fashion and then we have a show like stranger things Now i'm not going to shit on stranger things but i'm going to say you're going to look at something that is so high cgi yes they do a great job with like the costuming and making it feel like the different decades that these kids are in but that show has so much cgi i heard episodes are going like Thirty million an episode. That's like their budget, which to me is crazy because you're gonna have a show like Bridgerton, which probably brings in a different type of audience, but a bigger audience because it's a little bit more universal, making less money. And I would assume that Bridgerton and The Crown shares a costume department or any of their other period pieces. So I think their jewelry costuming gets recycled in different ways that we don't realize. Because I would have to assume that Netflix has to cut costs somewhere if they're spending 30 million on an episode of a show like to me that blows my mind and is the cgi worth it like are you going to bring in enough new viewers to balance this out
1: i don't know i don't know i feel like you can because you can save a lot of money with cgi but yeah I'm, I'm interested to know how they how they are budgeting their movies now i guess the actors are just being paid more but but yeah that that cgi effect i mean i don't know i liked it but i guess this i guess that's just me i may or may not have binge watched that in in an evening <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course you weren't. No, <laughs> you said so. That's why.
2: <laughs> I, I, I've never watched Stranger Things until yesterday. I watched episode uh, series season four episode one for the first time, and uh, it was okay. I, I was like, eh, it's all right. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm crashing anybody's.
1: Ben, you're dead to me. <laughs> 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 okay, I <Yeah. laughs> won't be
2: getting a raise this time. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> No good review from uh, Adam, am I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but yeah, so I mean, well, I mean, if we're going to talk about Stranger Things, we're going to talk about CGI and then low-key shade. I, do, do you really think the CGI helped out with the movie or where do you think they could have maybe used, not like prosthetics, but like, you know, like more physical objects in there that would have added to it?
0: I feel like they could have done now I'm not a filmmaker, but I feel like they could have done a lot of things because I look to some of my favorite filmmakers who do a lot of things. Like if I look at like I'm watch, like I watch a lot of Del Toro movies. Everyone knows who Guillermo Del Toro is, right? All his monsters are real monsters. He builds them out of clay. Everything's real and it's animatronics and it's puppeteering. So I look at that and I'm like, that's art. This is a full vision that you have you're not pawning off your vision onto someone else which i'm not saying like i i love the creative process we need more voices absolutely but to have but to have the realism of an actual being i think is crazy i know crimson peak is one of his least popular movies but those red ghosts that he built that w- and when they crawled through those walls that was so visceral that i don't think you could have copied that with cgi
2: yeah i think uh like a lot of the older horror movies like you see like you know the wolfman dracula frankenstein what makes them so like endearing for over the years is the fact that these characters were like they put the makeup on they took hours inside to put this stuff on and the actors did this because they really wanted to live the part of the the, the creature you know and like that really you know impressive I mean, like I can't sit anywhere for four hours, let alone have any put makeup on me. And uh, these people did it, and then they then they went out and they performed.
0: It's crazy. Like we could look at Rebecca Romaine as Mystique in the first X Men. That bodysuit was painted on her. She was in makeup for hours for things like that which I think is crazy. But to circle back to a point that you made about older horror films, you can watch the movie The Thing from like 1978 and all those practical effects are so good. I love Malignant and I know there were practical effects and CGI. But like I'm watching body horror from John Carpenter and I'm like, wow, this is still blowing my mind and it's still just as visceral and as cool. All
1: right, yeah, you sold me. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's, it's true, yeah. And what's, well... I guess there's also that time component too that that you have to think about I'm sure it's quicker for for CGI to get done. I'm trying to think of ways that they can even make some of these prosthetics. I mean, I was I sent you guys this YouTube video of this of this guy who just like recreated this dragon from I th- I think he might have it it was weird. Like the first half of the dragon was from Game of Thrones. Which, admittedly, I have not watched. So you can you can come right back You're at me. Get dead to me. Uh, yeah, I know. Get <laughs> <laughs> dead to me. Right.
2: Just don't watch the last episode. Watch the rest of it except the last episode. <laughs> Aren't
1: they coming out with a new series on top of that? Uh, yes, they I are. I think like a spinoff yep. thing. Yeah. Fire and ice. <laughs> yes, they are. All right. I don't know. I'm I looking d- forward I to try, it. I tried, guys. All right, I tried. So, anyways, the but Red yeah. Wedding rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was watching this guy. Make this up. So, what he ended up doing, which I thought was really cool and kind of extreme. Was he? It looked like he made the first half of this dragon, and then eventually made like this weird, like I don't know, like snake. It was one of those like snake-like body interpretations of a dragon, so I wasn't really sure exactly what he was going uh, with it. But he had he had carved this thing out of styrofoam originally, which I which I was like, oh yeah, I'd done that before. And then he had to like carve out individual teeth for this dragon, which I was like, okay, see so where we're going. And then completely blindsided me by taking these giant butcher knives and like. That's what he used to stick the teeth into. It. Cause this thing is huge, by the way. I mean, you could probably like try to wrap your arms around the head of this dragon. You would not, you would not fit your arms around it. So he's carving this dragon out, and then he's carving out these individual teeth, and then he has to all in styrofoam. And then he's trying to glue them all together. And then he's, he then he just, you just see him know, take this giant butcher knife, sort of, like stabbing it into this dragon thing that he made of styrofoam. It's like, what is going on right now? And then at that point, once he had like the finalized version of it, that's when he went and started to layer fiberglass on there, which is, you know. Like crazy. And he had to do it in strip. For those of you who don't know, fiberglass is like, it's just a hard plastic. You'll see like a lot of kayaks and stuff, commercial kayaks made out of it. But yeah, he ended up, it's, it's like, it starts off as a liquid and he ended up like dunking in there, I think, strips of burlap sack or something and then started like draping it over this styrofoam dragon and then and then afterwards he ended up like painting the whole thing but he he went through this whole process and of course it was sped up and he and he cut out a bunch of you know time in between but i mean just to see him go through the whole process did it look realistic yes was it awesome yes i can't even imagine how much time that took him i mean that uh, that was probably like of of solid work probably would have taken him like maybe a a full week but you know like who has a full week to just work on something you know and well yes it's your full-time job but also he's like you're you're just working eight hours a day i mean like a full week in terms of like no rest just like a full week's worth of hours that's like months in order to just recreate you know just the head of a dragon and then a couple like subsequent body parts after that
0: but i think when filmmakers do it they have bigger teams because like to to the point of making dragons we see that Steven Spielberg built all the dinosaurs for Jurassic Park and I mean the velociraptors were what like 12 feet tall obviously that took time but when you're filming it it looks so cool I don't know. I think it's so worth it. The time, I think the time is worth it. Plus you're giving more jobs to people like in the arts, which I think is harder to come by than in graphic design or in CGI media. I feel like that everywhere. Like when I was doing some research for this, I was looking into um, Wes Anderson films because everyone's, he has a very highly stylized way of filming and he builds all his sets as miniatures. So every long shot that you see or every building that you see is actually a set of miniatures that this whole team just spends like, crafting and building all of Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was also stop animation. So you have individual creatures that people are moving frame by frame. I mean, I think things like that, like, yeah, it takes time, but it is stunning work.
2: Yeah, I still think, like, one of the best stories ever is from Jaws. I and mean, when they made the, the shark, and they couldn't get the shark to work, and, like, they come over the loudspeaker go, their shark is working, their shark is working. You know, and this like, I think that's hysterical. You know, everybody rushed to the scene, like, to try and get this scene done but if you watch jaws it's just it's such a great movie and like the cinematography and everything and just to know that like the, the shark was actually a robotic shark that these people made and you don't get that with cgi you don't get the, the passion that these people put into making this shark and like just the, you know the amount of work that was put into this I mean, I mean i mean i'm not saying that people that do cgi don't put in a lot of work but it's not the same at all
1: just a, a quick side note do you guys know that martha's vineyard actually has like a, a parade where they where they also have Jaws in there. They have, like, a Jaws float, and the, I think it's, like, the 4th of July parade. Yeah. So they they, uh, they do. So I had a buddy that had a summer home there. And oh, really? <laughs> the Hamptons? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not those people. <laughs> My friends don't have summer homes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, so so I go and visit them, and they're like, oh, yeah, this parade's going on. Like, you should totally come with us. And I mean, like, what other choice do I have? Because, like, I'm hanging out. And they're like, okay. But I in town, because I actually know people, they've been there for a while, they ran into someone who was in charge of the Jaws float. And was it and, Buffy? Uh, no, it wasn't Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> or Biff. <laughs> 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 Here's the thing. No, it gets better. It gets better. Alright, okay. so <laughs> so she actually asked me to Wear this Jaws costume, so I did. It's a full-on bodysuit. <laughs> Land <shock>. Yeah. <laughs> so and and the whole thing. And for like, I don't know how long this thing was. Like an hour and a half, two hours. Like it was a really long parade, and it was it was very hot outside, <laughs> especially in this stupid costume. <laughs> and what I would do is, so I would like walk down the street, and I would like I I'd have I'd have like these mothers with their kids sitting right there, and then. They'd, and then they're like looking at me like mm, jaws and i would go and just like i had this like walk that i did where i would like kind of waddle a little bit and then like shake my butt <laughs> just so no, like, like a tasteful shake and, <laughs> and the mothers would call me over like mm, jaws hello hello <laughs> you shake your tail for my son yeah shake what? your tail feathers <laughs> <to> <laughs> but yeah so anyways that was that was the thing that it really happened. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I almost forgot about it until you told me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I traumatized you, right? <laughs>
1: traumatized. I, I have this. no shame, Ben. <laughs> okay. Ugh. <laughs> uh, oh, but anyways, yeah, Jaws. That's
2: jazz Every time I see <laughs> you, I'm going to be like, shake that tail. <laughs> Not at work though, because you'll fire me. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Uh.
0: So, <laughs> I love Jaws. You guys are making me die laughing, <laughs> and I also need to go to this parade now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think every listener is going to want to go to this parade.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Guys, maybe we'll do a a meetup and we'll (laughs) go to this parade. Can we do that? We'll see. We'll see. Our stuff
2: is portable, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So back to art and film. So when talking about art and film, we can also talk about kind of like the composition of film because, well... I don't know if I want to go there yet. So, so sorry. I have so many notes, you guys. I'm so excited. (laughs) That's why she's the lead. (laughs) So I'm so sorry. So what I wanted to get back to is when we look at films, we can also look at art composition. And this is something that we looked at when we were looking at like Shutter Island and Scream and films that are influenced by really important important pieces of art and while i was doing my research i was looking at ones that i didn't realize but i was like oh yeah that's really cool like ferris bueller's day off i thought that one was awesome the whole list the holy mountain the dreamers did you guys see any of these no ferris bueller ferris bueller (laughs) it's not shutter island okay so in shutter island we can talk about shutter island then (laughs) i have a whole list so we can go through no
1: i also like skip jump through it while i was working on an art project off the side because i do that sometimes so you might need to give me a little bit more (laughs) background.
0: okay so in shutter island there's a very popular image and it's when leonardo dicaprio is hugging his wife from behind she's in a very beautiful yellow dress and it mimics gustav clement's the kiss and it's and it's a very pivotal part of the moment. And I always look at scenes like that and it's like, was this shot influenced by the art or do people have parallel thinking when it comes to art and then we as viewers can pull these um, similarities out?
1: Um, yeah, and, well, I actually... Uh... From what I understand, it, it was based off the painting. It was based off Gustav Clement's painting. But I I think to your point, though, it is very relatable. Like, how many couples have hugged each other from behind and, and then kissed each other? So it's really just, it's a matter of, like, giving something that is within your daily life, something that you would do almost unconsciously, right? A different meaning, a different flavor, a different context, just enough. So you have more than enough context there to relate to it. And then you have just enough to kind Kind of like change your perception of it like, oh, yeah, just, you know, coming up and, and, you know, hugging my significant other from behind and just kind of cradling them and then kissing them. But, you know, there's sometimes you can give it different contextual clues like in a movie, right, with a lost love or, oh, you know, like consoling someone or or whatever and then also you have this like interpretation of it that you can see from a movie you, like or a painting that you might not fully understand but it but it kind of gives you something to think about and I think in a way like Lusov Clement's painting gives you that something to think about and then giving it context in a movie it's kind of like doing a cut for a song in a way where you can like take somewhat of a song or giant chunks of it or maybe even the whole thing and then put your own spin on it so I thought it was really cool how he not only took from Gustav Clement's painting, but he also gave it his own like twist and like context to it, so it wasn't just being relatable. It's also kind of like pulling the viewer in a certain direction.
0: Now, would you relate that same sentiment to say, um, like the Scream Mask, or we could go into actually, yeah, you like the Scream Mask? So that is based off of the Scream, obviously, and but I find that that painting, when I look at that, is more about like isolation, whereas Scream is more about terror and spread but what do you think
1: oh yeah no I, i i totally agree i i think that you know that that painting the the contextual clues on that it was it was really about yeah that kind of that that state of anxiety depression you know just like being inwards on yourself and now you have this this scream mask which just not only evokes those feelings of helplessness and loneliness but now you now you have to um you know worry about the the fear uh, on top of that, of this thing like coming to life and, and coming at you. And it's, I don't know, I like it, it, it brings a lot of feelings to mind. But, but yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's just like that overwhelming amount of, of different feelings and emotions, both from like the relatability back to the painting, but also like, you know, with that added drama of fear, it it's just like overwhelming in a way.
2: So, speaking of stuff like that, uh, the Halloween mask was William Shatner's face. It was William Shatner. That was the face, the, that they used uh, to make the mask and uh, they just walked by and they saw it and they're like oh we we want this and uh, if you think about it William Shatner is famous for Star Trek you know space the final frontier but isn't like death really truly the final frontier I mean and then so you got this mask of William Shatner and you get the character going around killing people taking them to their final frontier that's
0: awesome
1: but only if you're dead to me <laughs>
0: <laughs> no that's so cool because he does because Michael Myers does incite that fear and I feel like the unknown is what everyone fears. And that was a big part of Star Trek was like venturing into the unknown and exploring all these galaxies and meeting all these people. Bold new worlds. Bold new worlds. Death is the next world.
1: That and I think I think a good point to bring up, too, is like death and the fear of something or someone's relatability. Like in a way, when you leave it open ended like that, you leave it to the viewer to experience to get that opportunity to experience what scares them most most about death or the unknown so like you know ben's version your version my version of what death is that fear of loneliness and, and and death and that sort of thing like that you know like we're able to experience that in our own way and therefore like in a way it's it kind of makes a little bit more scary i don't know about you and i'm like i'm like a little bit more afraid when i have to you know figure things out and then my brain's just like listen i'm gonna spiral on you right now and you're gonna have to just gonna have to buckle up <laughs>
0: Absolutely no death is death is terrifying but i think what is great about the fear of death is that we get so much great art from it which is kind of fucked up but all this art i feel like most art stems from the fact that everyone is trying to make sense of the world around them and leave an impression everyone wants to be remembered right so i think when we see art and we look at it and we consume it we are consuming parts of these people and they're living on within our memories because now we're we're always out here associating things with what we saw because it's like does life imitate art or does art imitate life.
2: Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, most famous po- one of the most famous poets, all about death, Lenore,
1: you <laughs> know. <laughs> get this like a little bit more depressing, but in a kind of relatable way and I, and I don't know, what you guys think about this, but there was a moment not too many years ago when my father actually came up to me and he was and he was like super depressed. He's definitely like in a midlife crisis sort of way, kind of thinking about, you know, his his own mortality and he had come to me at one point and, and was like, "Hey, you know, could you 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 should make a bust of me and i was like what like so for those of you who don't understand uh, a bust is normally like a um a cast sculpture that is typically from the chest line up but he was like yeah you should make a bust sculpture of me (laughs) it's like first of all where'd you learn those words second of all (laughs) i was like i don't i don't need to do that dad you're being like super depressive right now i see you literally every time i look in the mirror so i'm gonna i'm gonna remember you but he's like no but you can have like you know something physical to remember me Bye. (laughs) So I still haven't done it to this day. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to like work myself up to actually do something like that. But but yeah, like in that in that same vein, it's it's a real thing. And I thought that was kind of cool that I had like a real example in real time that I was like, let me spitfire this right now.
2: Yeah, people are getting really weird with stuff like that. Like, what is it? Like, you can take someone's ashes and make it into a diamond. And I'm like, what? No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't I don't want to wear you. I don't. <laughs> I love you. No. But
0: maybe those diamonds will end up on a Bridgerton necklace. No one knows.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love your necklace. Isn't that Cousin John? <laughs> <laughs> so... You guys are killing
0: me. So one last point I wanted to make, because I think we have wrap up. We're having too much, not too much fun, but we got to wrap up. One last point I wanted to make is when looking, there are um, nine considered forms of art. The first being art, architecture, sculpture, painting, dance, music, poetry, film, TV, and then comic strips. So I view film, I view most of these as interchangeable because I feel like some can exist without the other and film being it can't exist without any of these what are your thoughts
1: oh wow that's that's loaded (laughs) Um, yeah yeah film not being able to exist well yeah because i mean you know even with cgi you're doing 2d stuff with the Hobbit, you're you yeah, like they shot in real places, but with these with those army scenes a lot of that stuff was CGI. So you would still need um like a like a physical place. And those physical places, like they had to recreate the homes. They had to recreate the doors to the homes, they had to recreate parts of the castle where these actors like stood in or they went on location for certain things. Yeah, I, I can't I don't think I can think of any one of those that doesn't have something to do with the movie because even with like dance and music and poetry, like you're adding culture to something. So would the stories of um you know the Hobbit or uh just the Lord of the Rings in general or any of those like big epic stuff that they that they came up with, I mean, would you have would you have loved them as much without all that? I don't think so. Even with like Star Wars and stuff. Like there's still it's not just the action part. It's not just, you know, uh the the setting. It it has to be the culture part. So even if like you don't you can't imagine poetry being in something like for them to come up with a different language altogether for different races, is like it. It makes that movie
2: a hundred percent. Like if you think about it, uh, you can actually go to Hobbiton, like, and visit it in Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand. You can actually go to like the set, like they actually made that town. So like you can walk through it, and stuff. And my friend has done it. He says it's incredible. And um, you would you even know what the hell Hobbiton was if like you didn't read the books? I mean, you have to have. I guess it's like anything else. You have to have a beginning. To further it and so like you know like these stories have to start somewhere and like even if it's in your mind like you know lucas's star wars was something that he created in his mind you actually when you when star wars first came out it really wasn't that popular like people it became popular it grew on people you know because it was like what was it called his uh his uh opera his that's what it's called his opera the star wars opera you know and like people became attached to it you know once they saw it a couple of times they were like oh this is actually pretty awesome i mean until you like watch the very first one and you can see the Death Star hanging on a string. But but uh, it, they fixed that. They fixed Practical that. effects, you right? guys. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being on our show. I hope you had a blast.
1: Oh, this was awesome, guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Ben, any thing you want to sign off with? Yes, Adam, don't forget you are my boss and I had you on my show, so you have to love me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I will give you the best worst raise ever.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Motivation. (laughs) I'm in there. (laughs) Well, everyone, I hope you have a great
0: week. Um, Next week, we're back to our normal programming. Ben and I are going to be going over a film. And we'll also have some really fun, exciting news right at the end. Um, Stay tuned to What's Happening.